Is codependency really a bad word? Do you really need another person in your life in order to be happy, healthy, and reach your greatest potential? I don't know. Let's find out. Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage? Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration. Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow. And I'm Robert Snow. And welcome to Master Your Marriage. Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game. This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. In one of our last episodes, I mentioned that there was no other person other than Charlotte that I wanted to spend my free time with, play with, or even vacation with. Someone asked me, is that healthy? Isn't that like codependency? Shouldn't we want less entanglement in one another's lives? Well, that's a very good thing to wonder about. So now before we dive in, we do want to point out that not all codependency teachings are wrong. In fact, they can be incredibly useful when it comes to close family members who are dealing with addiction. Where things get tricky, however, is applying these same principles indiscriminately across the board, especially in our most intimate relationship. So we propose that dependency is not a bad thing at all. No. In fact, it can provide us with a safe and secure foundation and help us to tap into our greatest potential. Well, how does that work, you might ask? Well, the idea that dependency can be a positive thing probably raises a few eyebrows. But if you stick with us till the end of the episode, you'll see the value of healthy interdependence in your relationship. Much of what we're going to share today comes from a book called Attached by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller, which we recommend is a fantastic book if you want to study attachment styles in relationships. So I want to share, to begin, a story. And, you know, when we were giving birth to our last child, who's now almost 15, so this was 15 years ago, We were in the labor and delivery room, and he was showing some signs of distress. And I'd been in labor all night long. And in that moment, I was exhausted. I was just like, I can't go on. I can't do this anymore. I was afraid. I was ready to give up. I really, really just wanted Robert to take me home. I was doubting myself and thinking I wasn't going to be able to do it. And I was looking around the room and I was reading the faces in the room and I was starting to panic a little bit inside because I could tell something was not quite right. I could tell that there were these signs of distress and that the next few moments were going to be very telling. And I was thinking what could go wrong, which you don't want to ever be thinking that. But no, I you don't want to think that of all the things that could be going wrong with me or my baby and how much pain was still left to endure. And so in that moment, I just was ready to give up. And Robert came over. And he grabbed my hand and he just made intense eye contact with me and captured, just completely changed my state, took me out of those thoughts that I was having. And he just looked me straight in the eye and he said, you can do this and do it now. And that moment was just this powerful moment where it just completely shifted my state, empowered me and allowed me to move forward. So my end of this is it was our last child so it's not like it's the first time we'd had a baby together and while it wasn't critical she had been working for a really long time and I could tell she was getting tired and those of you who have had babies you know that you know as the dads go we're watching the monitors and everything else and 
and the heart rate and oxygen saturation was not going in the right direction. It was starting to trend sort of the wrong direction. And I knew Charlotte could do it. I just knew that I needed to communicate to her how I believed in her. And it, I didn't think that I could make that much of a difference. But when I did, boy, she was a champ. And it's a miracle. And all childbirth is a mir- miracle, actually. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a really empowering moment. And just that connection with him made all the difference for me. And yet, you know, it's interesting that our culture has taught us to really reject this idea of codependency, believing that true independence and self-sustainability is a much healthier form of attachment. Some of the leading opinions today would believe, would have us believe that too much independence is really a bad thing. In fact, it's pretty widely accepted that dependence in relationships is, quote, unhealthy. Self-help gurus teach us to prioritize our own happiness and emotional well-being without expecting anyone else to do it for us. Hashtag, you do you. (laughs) So we are, so they say, responsible to look out after ourselves. And heaven forbid you form this or develop this strong dependency on your partner because that might be like a sign of weakness. There's a song on the radio right now that's popular that illustrates this point. It's the Miley Cyrus song. He's over there singing in his head. Um, it's called Flowers, and the lyrics to the song are, I can buy myself flowers. I can write my name in the sand. I can talk to myself for hours and say things you don't understand. I can take myself dancing, and I can hold my own hand. Well, except for when you're in labor. And, uh, <laughs> and that would have, I, I would not have traded that. No. That was good. But the song definitely sensationalizes independence and you know, it makes it sound really great. But you know what? There is another point of view. So, you know, it's actually not the first time in history where, quote, experts have tried to convince us that we shouldn't need attachment. It's hard to imagine that not so long ago, these experts were suggesting that attachment was detrimental for child development. Parents were instructed to refrain from showing affection and even physically comforting their child even when they cried. Somehow they believed that love and affection would cause children to be emotionally unhealthy and insecure adults. And the heartbreaking reality is that babies who grow up without close attachment often don't reach their true potential, suffering from physical, mental, and societal delays. This has been shown time and time again through children who grew up in institutions or who were actually displaced during wars. Dependency is a biological force, regardless of age. We are actually hardwired to depend on one another. And when codependence is done right, it can really help you to be healthier and more successful overall in life. Everyone needs a safe haven from which to reach the potential, regardless of age. Just like these babies, our adult brains are programmed to form healthy attachment. We may not need to be in physical, constant physical contact like babies do, but our attachment need is still part of the human condition even as adults. Unfortunately, many adults miss out on this important fact, often to the detriment of the relationship. Yeah. Do you know what? Did you know that mushrooms and trees codepend on each other? I thought pizza codependent on mushrooms. <laughs> okay. Because there's always mushrooms on my pizza. Well, okay. So here, this is interesting, fun fact. Through photosynthesis, trees produce more sugar than they need. And underground, mushrooms or the fungi need sugar in order to survive. They grow within the root system of the tree in order to be able to absorb that excess sugar from the trees. 
and there's an exchange. In return, the, the mushroom provides the tree with the nutrients that it needs from the soil. And there's actually a term for this. It's called mycorrhiza. The tree and the mushrooms have an interdependence to help both of them to not only survive, but to be able to thrive. So this interesting, this need for interdependence between mushroom and tree, it's all explained by biology. Hmm. That's weird, isn't it? That there's this whole connectedness that we have. Funny, as we look more towards biology, we see the same is true for humans. From a biological standpoint, relationships are all about interdependence. When we pick our person, we form one physiological unit with them. We become one system. Once we become attached to them, we are no longer separate entities. They actually are partner. Actually, they influence us on an intricate level from regulating blood pressure and heart rate to controlling our hormone levels in the bloodstream. Dependency between two people isn't something that we choose. It's not something that's optional. It's not even something that's preferential. It's just part of human nature that we really just can't ignore. Does that explain why my heart rate goes up when you touch me? (laughs) Maybe so. It might be that. Or maybe it's something else. Well, so there was a really cool study by Dr. Cohn. He made use of a thing called fMRI, which stands for functional MRI, to investigate how married women's brains respond to stress. The women were told that they were about to receive a, quote, mild shock. And as they waited for the shock, all alone, probably like in a chair or on a bed, right? Their hypothalamus lit up in response. This is what the functional MRI is doing, is it's measuring brain activity. And this normal response to stress is the hypothalamus activity. Interesting. When they held hands with someone while they were expecting the shock, even if it was a stranger, the activation of the hypothalamus was somewhat lessened. More interesting than that was in this study with these women, when they held their husband's hand or their spouse's hand, there was only a minor change in the activity of the hypothalamus showing stress levels had gone down. In fact, the levels were almost undetectable. Is it no wonder that relationships can be so powerful? This study and many others demonstrate that love is beneficial to our psychological and emotional well-being, and it happens on a biological level. How can we then remain totally autonomous, independent beings when our biology is so interconnected? Yeah, and this is why when Robert is upset, I know at the minute that he walks through the door. And if I'm sad or if I'm feeling overwhelmed, he can feel it too. And it's that acuity that gives us the ability to be able to respond to one another's needs in a deeply connected and profound way. And I think just knowing that we are biologically programmed to be dependent on one another can be super empowering. And honestly, like there's no shame in it. There's no shame in needing your partner. It's just a normal part of being human. And it really is a win-win. There's so many advantages. And I think, sadly, a lot of couples don't realize this, and I wish that they did, because I think if they did, they'd be less likely to push one another away and more likely to use this superpower, which is what it really is, this superpower constructively. Just think how this power could be used to soothe one another's stress. Think about how it could regulate one another's emotions. Think of how beneficial this connectedness is when it comes to facing life's difficult challenges. Because it really is. It's supposed to be us against the world, not me or you against the world. 
And it's that oneness that gives us such a survival advantage when we're facing challenging situations. So as I think about this and kind of this need, I remember a couple of years ago, I needed to have hernia surgery. And, and while that's not a big deal, it, it, I think it all comes down to expectations. And so I was expecting that I would wake up and that Charlotte would be there. And I woke up and I woke up in recovery and there's tubes and machines and, oh man, it was cold. And I was pretty uncomfortable. I was hurting a little bit. And so the medication, the pain medication's wearing off. And, and so I'm kind of going in and out of focus. And the only thing I wanted to know was where Charlotte was, but I can't remember why. I just remember I kept waking up and then, you know, it's people are there wearing masks. And so they're sort of mumbling excuses to me and, and giving me a blanket. And, and I don't really remember, but, but I do remember one thing. I remember that finally when they wheeled me down the hall and got me into my room and Charlotte was right there um, and all the stress, I don't know, it'd probably been a couple hours, all the stress and Charlotte holds my hand and she asks me if I'm okay and I tell her I'm okay and then I go right to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was able to finally relax and there was a lot going on in the hospital that day. There was actually, he didn't realize this, but there was an elevator that was broken and he couldn't get to the the right recovery room where I was able to go. So he, we were separated for a couple hours when we were anticipating being able to see each other. And I was stressed and he was stressed. But once we were able to, you know, I was able to grab his hand, he was finally able to relax, which was, which was great. Typical Robert, fall asleep as soon as you hold my hand. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. Does being one mean that we need to give up on ourselves, to give up on our own dreams, to give up on our careers? Absolutely not. No. And check this out. This is the coolest, most paradoxically weird thing of all about dependence. The more dependent we are on each other, the more self-reliant, independent, and courageous we tend to be when facing everything outside of our relationship. And this is what the authors Levine and Heller call the dependency paradox. And the dependency paradox says that the more dependent we are in our relationship, the more independent we can interact with the world. So how is it possible that we can act more independently, take more risks, ascend to higher, greater heights by being thoroughly and totally dependent on someone else? Well, it comes down to having a safe and secure base or a safe haven, if you will. So it reminds me of the story that um, we wanted to share about our daughter. So when our daughter, who's our third child, was about two, right into it was time for her to go into the nursery class at church. And this is a class where, you know, it's pretty exciting. They have toys and, and they get to run around and friends and they have snacks, which is, of course, why I wanted to go. And so it would be interesting that she would she would play and go down the slide and make friends and share things. But the minute she lost sight of me, she would, she'd like her, just a change would come. And, you know, as a parent, you're sort of peeking around the door and, and all this. And so I'd leave and then she would sort of lose it. And then I would come back and then she was right back to being the, the same person again. And, you know, I think I became her safe base. You were. And this is exactly what Mary Ainsworth was fascinated by in her research. She wanted to know if a child's motivation to learn and explore was affected by the presence of an attachment figure. She found that having that attachment figure present would strengthen a child's resolve to go out into the unknown with more confidence and more resilience. 
So again, this is known as a secure base, which again is our safe haven. And it's much the same with adults. When an adult knows with 100% certainty that they have someone in their corner, it allows us to deal with the world in a different way. It strengthens our resilience and it helps us face difficult challenges. It helps to inspire us and give us courage and take risks because we know that regardless of the outcome, we're in it together. So hey, this is probably maybe our biggest challenge. Um, we've had some challenges in our marriage, but so when we first started, um, when we first got married, Charlotte, I was a, I was a general contractor. I was a heavy equipment operator and I didn't really enjoy that, but, and I'm grateful for the experience it taught me, but I really wanted to pursue my doctorate degree. I was passionate about that, but I just, I, I don't think I really saw like a way to do that. And Charlotte knew this about me probably because we'd been sharing our dreams. And um, one day she says to me, let's do it. Let's just pack up and we're going to move and, and we're going to go to school. And I'm thinking, we just had a baby. How old was our Like baby? two months old. We just had a two-month-old and then we had another one that was about 18 months old, right? So they were two years apart. Yeah, so we had, we had these two babies in the house and contracting was paying the bills. And, and I'm th thinking, boy... This, if, if ever there's not a right time, this, not is, right time. this is not a right time to do this. Um, but Charla knew, and we discussed the sacrifices that we would have to make, and, and we decided to move forward because she had faith in us. She had faith in me, but she had faith in us. As did and, you. And so we sold everything. Yeah. Children's toys. Dishes. Kitchenware. Pat, pots and pans. Christmas decorations. Swing sets. Bicycles. My new truck. Your brand new truck. My brand new truck. That's and right. half my tools. And, you know, I was sitting here going like, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? I didn't even know what to expect. Um, but, you know, I knew one thing. I knew that Charlotte knew that this was the best thing for our family. She believed in me. She pushed me out of my comfort zone and helped me grow. And she believed in us. And honestly, what more could you ask from for your partner that they believe in you? I only ever wanted one thing. I wanted Charlotte in my corner. And when she's in my corner... I feel unstoppable. Mm. Now, you might be asking, what if my partner isn't available like that? When this person who is assigned to be my secure base isn't fulfilling their attachment role, what do we do? And you know what? We want to acknowledge we hear you and this can be really difficult and it does happen. And there's been times that we've, you know, that we haven't totally been there for each other. It's it ebbs and it flows in relationships. And when this happens, we would argue that we are just out of alignment with our biology, with who we are meant to be. We aren't connected in the way that we're designed to be. And honestly, this can have pretty serious repercussions mentally, emotionally, even physically. Studies have shown that having this lack of a secure home base can actually make us a lot more vulnerable to illnesses and disease. Plus, it just over zaps our overall confidence in ourselves and our ability to just go out and take action. So what, what do we do in these situations? Well, what we found is this codependence is just another word for deep and meaningful connection. When we connect or codepend, then we build that trust that is needed for vulnerability and emotional connection. When you build this connection, the walls come down and you become everything to each other. Not just someone you can live with, but rather the person you can't see yourself living without. We hope that after listening to this episode, 
You never let anyone shame you into believing that being dependent means there must be something deeply flawed in you. In fact, it's a normal, natural, biological response that helps each of us reach our greatest potential. So if you're asking yourself, why is my relationship not experiencing this type of deep connection? Maybe it's time to check in. Check in on whether or not you're being there for your partner in the way that you wish he or she was there for you. Or perhaps it's time to forge a new friendship. So in the next episode, we're going to be talking about friendship. Friendship requires vulnerability. It requires trust. And it requires continuing to stay interested in one another. And people think that friendship just happens or that once you've had it, that you always should have it. And that's just not the case. There is a way to do it. There is a formula. And friendship is the foundation that sets us up for this type of dependency and this deep connection that we've been talking about. So before next week, we want to invite you to download our book. It's called The Eight Pillars to an Exceptional Marriage. And it's going to be listed in the link in the show notes. And then review that before next week's episode. And then join us next week for this really important discussion on friendship. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question. Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.